0: Welcome back. It's another episode of the Elvis Reviews podcast. It's February 2024. We're here. And
1: Daniel's here too. Yeah, I'm I'm here. here. You're here. (laughs) I'm in the midst of Mardi Gras down here in New Orleans right now, actually. Oh, is that right now? This is the big weekend where people just start drinking and don't stop till (laughs) Wednesday (laughs) morning. For a whole week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Oh,
0: exciting, exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, the the show we're talking about today is nothing to do with Mardi Gras. It no. is, some people say, one of the Colonel's few missteps. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about, it's the final show in a two-week engagement. I think this is the only one that was recorded. It is. It's May 1956 in Las Vegas. It's only four songs. It's what, 12 minutes, 13 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but somehow we're going to do a whole show about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such an interesting uh, moment because Elvis is causing like mayhem everywhere and on, on television, just everywhere he goes. And then there's this one little two week weird like eye of the hurricane thing where he just plays to crowds who don't care. Non-sh- just
0: fun. people who were just like, what's all this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, who, who's
0: this guy? Is it yeah, over yet?
1: I think one of the Where's reviews... Shecky?
0: Where's Shecky? Yeah. <laughs> So tell us, hmm. tell us the details you, you've got. I know you've got loads of context. Let's start with. Where do you start? We'll
1: start with Elvis. So he's been on television all of January. Heartbreak Hotel comes out. End of January, the album comes out throughout February. Uh, he's on the Dorsey Brothers television show. He hmm. does. We got to April On April 2nd, he signs a deal with Hal Wallace and Paramount Pictures for seven years, and it's not an exclusive deal, so he can also make movies for other studios. So he's just signed this huge deal. The next day, he goes on the Milton Berle TV show, and last time we were... Last episode, I made a mistake and said that he did Hound Dog on that show. And that's completely wrong. In <laughs> fact, that, that's an important thing that's going to come up during this podcast, but, but he doesn't do Hound Dog, but he's on Milton Berle. It's a big deal. Then he's just constantly touring the next, let's see, from, from April 4th all the way until April 21st. And he opens in Vegas on April 23rd. So he's doing yeah. like two concerts a day all over the place. There's like angry parents and this is, <laughs> this is like the height of like, Elvis mania where the parents are trying to get him banned. And so it's yeah. it's actually kind of an interesting you could look at it as Colonel Parker just kind of stashed him in Vegas for two weeks. He knows he's got a yeah. movie deal. He knows he's got another TV appearance coming up maybe we can keep Elvis out of let's trouble let's just hide possibly. out in
0: Vegas where nobody cares
1: <laughs> it's, it's possible I, that might be giving Colonel Parker too much credit but mm.
0: I, I think I it worked know. out Colonel Parker would have only seen the, the dollar signs
1: well yeah maybe uh, you see he got paid I think it was it, like 15 or seventeen thousand? yeah I don't know how much he was making on the road I would have to check that because I don't know if he would have made more if he was still out touring mm. but anyway but that's what's going on like in in Elvis's life. He's already signed the movie deal. He's already got the number 1 record. The album's going to be number 1 soon. He's just like on top of everything. Yeah, and then two weeks in Las Vegas, where other than one show where Colonel Parker gets a teenage crowd, see that's the other thing. This is like a lounge, so I assume you've got to be like at least maybe 21 to get in. Maybe it was 18 then. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. they're not they're not kids. Definitely not Elvis's crowd. I mean,
0: the, yeah. the crowd is there for the um, Freddie the Martin Freddie. and his orchestra. <laughs> yeah. That's who they're there to see.
1: Performing selections. Maybe Shecky. Maybe right. Shaky
0: Green. But um, most likely they're there to see this big orchestra play. Yeah. And then Elvis gets up and they're <laughs> like, this is not what we're here for.
1: With three <laughs> instruments.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. But it was, it was a big room. It was a thousand seat.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the crowd actually sound. I mean, they definitely don't sound like what you'd expect Elvis crowd in the 50s to sound like but it sounds like a pretty full room like it's not it doesn't sound particularly sparse in there it's just they just don't yeah they're just not paying that much attention really in fact the whole thing kind of reminds me of a rehearsal almost yeah because yeah it's it's only a few songs Mm -hmm. and no crowd
0: you can tell elvis is really trying Mm -hmm. he's really but we'll get to that later i I mentioned shaky green before so i think the headline person of this concert was freddie martin and his orchestra, and then you had Shecky Green, comedian who just passed away, like in the last, I think, two months. Like, I mean, what are the chances that we're just talking about this show? Yeah, and then I just see that that he just died. I think it was New Year's Eve. He was forgot. ninety-seven, though, and he was still performing up until like the last few years. Like, he was still around. It was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess like people like Don Rickles or uh, oh right, yeah, right that, now Bob Newhart from that, from still that watch.
0: old that old
1: school. You know, yeah. You know, you just keep going. Yeah, they could do Vegas till they're
0: yeah. So yeah. So let's uh, see the atomic powered singer, mm. Elvis Presley. Yeah. Colonel now Parker. I didn't know I didn't know the meaning of that, but I then I saw that. Nevada was the home of the atomic powered testing. Colonel Parker thought the name would be catchy.
1: Yeah, I thought that was funny. I didn't realize Parker had actually came <laughs> up with I didn't, that I didn't one. know that. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, a lot of like important things happen like formatively probably for Elvis while he was in Las Vegas. Like Liberace, this I let me let me do some quick Las Vegas history. So Elvis plays there in 1956. Las Vegas turned 50 years old the year before in 1955. Uh So by 1955, Las Vegas was already kind of what you expect it to be. Like Sinatra had played there. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis had been there in 1948. Liberace had been playing there since 1944. So wow. it's kind of established already what's also interesting in 1955 is a hotel called the moulin rouge opens and it's the first integrated hotel and casino in the united states and Mm. people like frank sinatra go there uh, louis armstrong lena Horne, sammy davis jr harry belafonte marlena dietrich uh judy garland duke ellington like it's just this really cool hot spot for a while, but unfortunately, it only lasts from May 55 until October 55 when it closes due to mismanagement. So, Elvis gets there like the next year. It's interesting. Liberace is. I started looking into Las Vegas and I just couldn't get away from Liberace. <laughs> it's like he established the concept of a Vegas residency uh-huh, at, okay. at the same hotel where Elvis plays. This show Um, Elvis and Liberace meet and there's a bunch of like press pictures of them together. And supposedly it, it really affects Elvis's style. Like Colonel Parker sees pictures of Elvis in Liberace's gold jacket. And it's it's conjectured that this is where Parker got the idea to commission that gold suit. That Elvis had in the oh, 50s, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. Like Liberace goes to see Elvis in '56. The Beatles actually play Las Vegas in 1964, but they're smart enough to play the Convention Center where it's mm. open admittance, not a lounge on the Strip. But Liberace goes to see the Beatles. It's just interesting. Liberace just kept popping up in all my Vegas history. Yeah. Interesting
0: to know that he started the the whole residency thing, which is still there to this day.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize Liberace went back that far, like 1944. You said you said 44. He was oh, yeah. playing there. Wow. And I guess it. Yeah, was I the... didn't
0: think he was around that that early.
1: Me neither. And, I, and he died in like the 80s, I think. So anyway, yeah, Liber- yeah Liberace. Yeah, he was still around,
0: but but it, it is such a smart business model, especially oh, yeah. in Las Vegas, which is a town that a town a city that everybody comes to for mm-hmm. entertainment. And yes. instead of, you know, an artist having to get on the bus and f- or get on a flight and fly to all these different cities, you can just stay in one place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'd be so much more cost effective as well.
1: Yeah. Just all for the artists,
0: because you're not paying transport for all your gear, all your band members, all the staff, everything's got to move city to city to city every, you know, every yeah. day or two. This, you just set it up and you're there Yeah, and you do a That's week, you do a month, whatever you want. And yeah. it's, Oh, it's such a genius idea. Let's so Liberace. Good, good job. <laughs> yeah, very smart, smart um, guy. Didn't know. <laughs> i haven't seen the movie yet yeah i wonder if they mentioned is it matt damon in that i wonder if they mentioned that he oh the liberace thing. that he was the one who started the residency thing
1: i wonder because yeah i didn't watch that i knew people who did but i never found out if because they could have they could have mentioned elvis they crossed paths often yeah. in, in fact in the 70s i've got concerts where he introduces liberace in the crowd in fact mm. there's one and here's another piece of really pointless trivia uh <laughs> So, yeah, Barbara Streisand opens the International Hotel just before Elvis yep. does. Uh, she was right. first. Barbara Streisand first sings on stage in Las Vegas as a guest of Liberace at a Liberace. Uh, show which i didn't realize mm. march 28th 1975 is when barbara streisand comes to see elvis and goes backstage and asks him to be in a star is born and then two days later elvis is in- introduces liberaci at the midnight show just all these weird little <laughs> liberaci kept popping up and then streisand got in there
0: it but it really sounds like all these you always hear these questions about if you had a time machine what would you go and do? Where would you go? Yeah. If I had one one go with that, I probably wouldn't go to Las Vegas. But if I had <laughs> multiple times, I'd probably just go to Vegas in like the 50s and 60s yeah. and just hang around and just all the famous people that were there and all the stuff that was going on. What a a time.
1: Yeah. And then in the 60s, Elvis would be back filming Viva Las Vegas and then it's, I would definitely love to see what Vegas was like in the 50s and 60s. It seemed really cool. Mm -hmm. Like, especially that, like I said, that Moulin Rouge hotel in 1955 seemed like a real, like, hot spot. Like, everybody was drawn there.
0: So this, two weeks of shows that he did, it was 8 p.m. and midnight, two shows a day. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw a review it was by Bill Willard, a reviewer for the Las Vegas Sun. Link mm-hmm. uh, he panned the performance, writing: "For the teenagers, the long, tall Memphis lad is a whiz. For the average Las Vegas spender or showgoer, a bore. His musical sound, with a combo of three, is uncouth, matching to a great extent the lyric content of his nonsensical songs." Yeah. Wow, <laughs>
1: that's that, that's a review. Holy yeah. moly. And there's a lot of, like, a jug of corn liquor at a champagne party. Um, <laughs> I read one where it says the crowd watched with clinical detachment as if it were some kind of a science experiment. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of negative reviews. Wow. And the recording is amazing, though. The sound on oh. it.
0: It's shocking. That's the, that's the most amazing thing about this that we can even hear. This is that it exists. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's just mind blowing in itself, and the fact that the sound quality is so good. It could have been really bad, Easily. but because this audience was so like reserved <laughs> yeah. and quiet, yeah, it just makes it sound really good. I mean, if it was a screaming bunch of kids and yeah, an audience recording, that. they some of them are pretty bad. Yeah, like, you can barely that. even hear Elvis over the screaming.
1: But this is just, it's perfect. It would have been really interesting to hear opening night because Elvis must have been shocked that the crowd, by now he's used to weren't it. Weren't screaming, is, yeah. Right. Now at least hes he knows what to expect. But opening night must have been amazing to just, Elvis must have just been completely freaked out.
0: Actually, I mean, the whole band. And he would have just walked on the stage the first time to just this, you know, this polite, little, like <laughs> golf clap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Although, so what else?
1: Well, he does have that great announcer to get the, the crowd all hyped yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, right? saying
0: it. He's, he's, a, he's a
1: great young guy. <laughs> he sounds like an awkward assistant manager at a grocery store, like <laughs> having to announce something to people Uh, yeah it's like uh and speaking of records he has the number one record and yeah it's a very awkward it's a weird it's
0: funny he's like he's sort of trying to convince the audience that you know this is good this really is good you you should be excited about this
1: Mm -hmm. he's a a fine young lad and a fine talent
0: the announcer was awkward yeah like trevor nower at the grammys
1: (laughs) (laughs) got it and then uh and then yeah we hear a little bit of rock around the clock from uh the freddie martin orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how they bring them on, which really just emphasizes how tiny Elvis, DJ, Scotty and Bill sound (laughs) because it's that. And then I didn't even realize
0: that it was that song. I just heard something playing. I didn't focus on it.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they play them off with because there's something it's a different riff and I couldn't recognize that song. But yeah, this is just a little bit of rock around the clock. And then, yeah, when Elvis just strums the acoustic guitar, it just seems so tiny next to (laughs) The rest of it. But then, yeah, Heartbreak Hotel. This is our first hearing of it. This was literally the last
0: time he was on stage for what another like 13 years or something. Yeah. Like I think he visited, he made some movies, but performing, this is the last time for quite some time.
1: Yeah. And we reviewed, well, we didn't review opening night because I don't think there's a recording of opening night. But yeah, we've already covered his comeback on Vegas in 1969. Uh, Blue Suede Shoes, he definitely does at that show as well. Yeah, it's interesting to think about 56 and then 69, the track list. I mean, I think he does two mm. of these again in 69.
0: Let's okay. go. Let's talk about the, okay. these, this really long show. Right. Track number one, it's Heartbreak, it's Heartburn, Motel.
1: <laughs> Motel, that's right.
0: First number one. It's a great version. Mm-hmm. And even though the three-piece band sounds small, mm-hmm. I really do like it because I like that early rock and roll sound and it is good to have a break from the big 70s overblown extravaganza band that he had with all the horns and the the backing singers and the strings and just everything the kitchen sink and here it couldn't be any more basic like there's not even two guitarists
1: there's one guitarist (laughs) right well unless you count Elvis on the acoustic
0: oh yeah true true he's
1: in and out though I mean
0: yeah. It's just absolute bare bones. Yeah. And I've said this before, but it's always good to hear these early songs before he got bored or embarrassed yeah. by them and then only performed them out of some obligation. obligation. To the fans. So, you know, they're still relatively new and fresh, and it's just great to hear. Mm -hmm. A few times he mentions Heartburn Motel. And as soon as he started singing that, I'm just like, we all know the stories about the deep fried peanut butter, banana sandwiches, or whatever he was eating. Mm -hmm. Was his diet. That bad? Maybe even this early? And that's so. why he's still talking about heartburn? I
1: really don't think so. It's like, <laughs> I hope not, but who knows? No, I think that's just Elvis's, <laughs> you know, nonsense sense of humor.
0: It's funny, all through his talking here, the the sense of humor is there. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he's really trying. And this is like the last show out of, it was a two-week oh, engagement.
1: And two shows Two a day. Yeah.
0: So there was at least... How 12, many shows? Five, ten, twenty? Maybe twenty well, shows. Maybe, maybe more.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he had weekends off. We don't know but... if it
0: was six or seven days or five days a week, right? But a minimum twenty shows. And this yeah. is the last day. I'm not sure if it's the last show, but it's the last day. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he's been trying, <laughs> and he <laughs> right. knows he knows by now after twenty shows. This is what I have to do to like try and appeal to these this audience, which are not my audience which is a really interesting thing to hear because almost everything else in his career, he just walks out and everyone's screaming their heads off. He doesn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. He can just stand there. He can just get up there and go, well, 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 which he he does (laughs) (laughs) later. And everyone just loses their minds. So it's just really interesting to hear him, like, oh, I don't know, be, be humbled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the the right thing, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, I couldn't decide if he was, yeah, I couldn't decide if it was that he was really trying to win the crowd over still, or if at this point he had sort of given up on them and was just entertaining Scotty, Bill, and DJ, yeah. and... <laughs> And yeah, maybe were,
0: all the jokes were just for them. <laughs> it wasn't for the audience.
1: <laughs> in a sense, I, I kind of feel like they were just like, let's just go out and we'll do what we did on Louisiana Hayride. We'll do what we did in, in Texas. We're just going to tell the same corny all jokes. All we can do is do uh, what
0: we do. If they don't like it... You know, we're still getting paid. So, yeah,
1: I, I mean, that said, yeah, his vocal performance throughout the show is it never falters. I mean, it is mm. it's it's missing the feedback and the energy you would get from a live show, which is why, again, it kind of feels like a rehearsal with a lot of people invited. So he's still trying. He's not like blowing it off by any means. But there's not that energy that you expect from the live show.
0: Well, I have I have some theory about that. Well, I'll get to later. Ooh, OK, but yeah i mean is it the end of this he's like he's talking about oh we've done two weeks and yes
1: it's the end of this song
0: we've had a he says we've had a pretty hard time i mean we've had a really (laughs) good time here yeah which is again just classic
1: elvis it really is yeah
0: and again yeah probably just to entertain the guys it's not for the audience
1: Right. Oh, I was going to mention, I did like the solo in Heartbreak Hotel. I I have listed that it's like blistering. Oh, yeah, yeah. That it's just this really good Scotty Moore thing. I have a feeling you might prefer that. I think when we get to the studio version of this, which we'll be covering on Elvis Cole Records, Volume 1, you might think there's too much reverb on the studio version. Whereas it's
0: interesting to hear uh, this nice,
1: clean, clear
0: version. Possibly, possibly.
1: Um, but yeah, it is between Heartbreak Hotel and Long Tell Sally. That's when he does the, had a pretty hard time, uh, pretty rough go of it, uh yeah. yeah i forget what he says exactly but yeah uh, and he and he keeps calling them friends
0: yeah i reckon he must have said that at least five times when he was talking he's like now 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 friends we're gonna it, do another new song friends that feels very he's like
1: like um i haven't listened to as much of the louisiana hayride stuff as as you would think but it feels very country music old grand old opry hank you know what i mean It, it just that Calling everybody friends. It feels like a real southern, uh, I hate to say hillbilly, but it just has that vibe to me. And I feel like if you do listen to some of the Grand Ole Opry stuff, I think the announcers do say that. It's like, welcome, friends, and here we have this here. Yeah, I feel like that comes from that. At least in my mind, it feels like a kind of a, a very Southern it was, thing.
0: And it just really stood out to me because I don't think I've heard him do that later on. No. Because, again, later on, he didn't really have to try. Right. This seems like he's trying to endear himself or just make some connection with these people who he, just don't have a connection
1: yeah he definitely plays up the sort of country boy it seems like in this show um like he I introduces think... long tall sally as being mm. plumb pitiful um yes <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe so
0: I'll, I'll get to this later but it seems like such a Fine line that he's walking with this audience. Like he might try to be a bit more country to appeal to them, but then if he's too country, they're gonna look down on him and just think he's not good. And that and there's just there's all these different things throughout this which I noticed. And it's just like, oh, he made that decision when he could have he could have done this, he could have done that, he did that. And it's all just about this this line that he's on, yeah. and if he goes too far one either side of it, it's not going to work. Yeah. So it is it is really interesting to see him just be in this situation with not his audience.
1: No, not at all. It's,
0: um, oh. it's something. It is. <laughs> so, so is that all for Heartbreak?
1: Yes, we get to track number So two. that's
0: Heartburn Motel. Mm-hmm. The second song is Long Tall Sally. Right,
1: from the second album. Now here's
0: another thing where I think he's like right on this line. This is a good version, mm-hmm. but like you said before, The energy that you would have full of screaming kids is not there. And again, he's walking this like the tightrope. He can't go too crazy with his vocals. Mm -hmm. He might scare them. They're (laughs) fancy, rich people. I don't know. That's true. But he also has to show them, hey, look, I can sing. I'm not just some dopey guy. I can really sing. But he can't go too hard. And like Long Tall Sally's the song where you could really go crazy. But he doesn't go too crazy because I think he's still – trying to you know i can't even explain it
1: it definitely sounds close to his studio version i I know what you're saying yeah he's not straying too far from the song and going nuts like he, he he might normally i am really impressed with his vocal though i mean he just like he's just on it you know what i mean like right from the first note i mean there's no this whole show as subdued as it is his vocals are just perfect really I mean, like, I can't find any problem.
0: You can just hear everything so well because you don't get all the screaming people. And like Elvis probably sang great on all these early recordings, but you just can't hear it. That's the best thing about this show is just the recording quality. Everything is so easy to hear. You don't have to, like, strain to hear his vocal over everything else because it's just it's just it's so good.
1: Yeah. And he's yeah, he's so self-deprecating, I guess, still, because people think rock and roll is just a spad. Especially because they think the lyrics are nonsensical, like that review you <laughs> yes. mentioned. So yeah, he seems to go out of his way to be like, "Oh, this is a really sad song, friends. it's It's not only sad, it's pump pitiful. And <laughs> like he keeps building up the songs like they're gonna have really deep lyrics. And then he sings about. Oh yeah, about he's it. like,
0: "Oh, it's a big, It's a big story song. This one. It's a, exactly it's a just good like story.
1: just like he did later with uh, hound dog.
0: I wonder if that could have even been a response to that review.
1: Oh, it could because that have
0: review been. could have been on the like the third show out of these twenty.
1: That's true. That's true. And um, now he
0: could be making fun of that guy. You know, nonsensical lyrics. And now he's like, "Well, hey, this is a really serious story, guys.
1: <laughs> I do. I do think a lot of it was show. Was he wanted to show that he was in on the joke and that he didn't think the songs were deep." He knew they were just fun. So, yeah, I think I, I think he did that often just to kind of puncture that idea that critics are like, oh, you're singing nonsense because he's like, yeah, of course. I know it's tutti Fruity, It's long time. It's rock and roll, dude. Calm exactly. Down. It's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ball headed Sally jumping back in the alley. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. which this is a song by Little Richard. I'm not saying that much about it because on the second album is where he's going to cover it in the studio. So we're going to talk oh, about so it. We'll be doing that. Talk. Yep. But as far as his performance, I mean, he's pretty flawless just throughout this whole thing his voice just doesn't really falter but it does feel like kind of a run-through as opposed to a a real 50s concert because of the crowd so
0: then at the end of this he says thank you music lovers now (laughs) i I can only hear that as a sarcastic comment
1: a hundred percent
0: referencing the fact that this audience are just not impressed with him or the music (laughs) right and you know not a big applause for the previous song Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Thank you, music lovers." It's again it's just Elvis, a hundred percent Elvis <laughs> sense of humor, right there.
1: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then, what? then he and then telling them
0: about stuff. you know, Heartburn Motel sold a million. Blue suede shoes is almost to a million. Yeah. And then he says something about, "Oh, the record company's happy because it made so much money." I mean, it's done so well did so it's well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it's oh, weird because so he funny. asks, he says he's going to get the Freddie Martin orchestra to back them up, back them completely up. And then absolutely nothing comes of that. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, nothing at all, because that's when he does the, the song is uh, get out of the stable. Grandma, you're too old to be horsing around. You think Yes. oh and he introduces two people in the audience uh ray bolger oh yeah phil, phil silvers, silvers and ray bolger ray bolger Ray Bolger was the scarecrow in the wizard of oz oh okay phil silvers at the time had probably a really highly rated tv show called yeah uh, sergeant bilko and it's interesting because in just a couple of years when elvis gets drafted the Sergeant Bilko TV series does a whole episode where a guy named Elvin Pelvin gets drafted <laughs> and gets <laughs> and ends up in his platoon. Elvin Pelvin. Yeah, so it's clearly a Elvis thing, but yeah, so Phil Silvers does a whole Elvis episode in a couple of years from now, from well, from '56.
0: Mm. But yeah, Long Tall Sally. I mean, it's a great version. He sings it great. You can hear it. That's the best thing about it. You mm-hmm. can just hear everything so clearly.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because this is one of those songs that he did, you know, like in 1973 at Aloha from Hawaii. And oh yeah, the version isn't that much different. I mean, this is one of those songs that even when he did it in the 70s, which wasn't that often, it was kind of the same tempo. It was, you know, he kind of kept it pretty much intact, which is interesting to hear this early live version, having heard mm-hmm. all those 70s ones.
0: So let's go to the next track. It is Blue Suede Shoes. Well,
1: Blue Suede something, as Elvis says. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, this song is like the first of these four songs that actually gets like a little recognition applause at the start. I know, yeah. The other two songs, when he was talking and he introduced songs, just silence. But when he says, oh, this is blue suede shoes, you hear a few people start clapping, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's the first time
1: they've done it. Well, Carl Perkins really did have a bigger hit like on the charts. And so it was recognized from that as well. And this is one that Elvis definitely had been doing on television, like the whole February leading up to this. Look, the most interesting thing
0: about this version of Blue Suede Shoes is he's still doing the original Carl Perkins
1: intro with the pauses. That's—I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I agree. It's the first
0: thing I noticed. Well, it's one for the money. Dung dung pause. (laughs) Two for the show. Instead of just going bang 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 one two three straight through. Right. I mean he soon dropped that to keep the momentum up or whatever for a mm-hmm. live show he just changed it but it was really interesting to hear that original intro Yeah. because I don't think I've heard I mean he probably has done it at some something else but I think it's the first time I've heard well, him Sweet. do that.
1: Blue Sweat Shoes is interesting because he re-records it for the soundtrack to G.I. Blues and I have to go back and listen to that one and it's a weird choice that he does that but he re-records it for G.I. Blues and I think the Arrangement is also closer to Carl Perkins. Mm. I don't know why he did that. I, I feel like maybe he did it as a favor to Carl Perkins to send some more money his way or something. I have to find that mm. out because it is an odd. It's really odd that "Blue Suede Shoes" got re-recorded for GI Blues, and in the movie, it only you only hear it playing on a jukebox. Oh yeah. So anyway,
0: this is where I, yeah? I had that note about. I realized the line that he's walking, like he's trying to impress them and show them what he can do. But he also knows that he can't go too crazy with his vocals because they'll get scared or, you know, shaking <laughs> his legs and doing a dance because that, that might put them off as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't exist. But if a video of this ever came out, it would be so, one of the most interesting things you've ever seen.
1: It really, it really Because really even really,
0: just right. the audio, it's like such a unique thing. Yeah. The video would be insane.
1: It's like the eye of this crazy hurricane because, yeah, both sides of this date, they're going crazy. And yeah. just this... One crazy two-week period with just him playing to adults in a lounge is so bizarre.
0: It's it's literally like someone came down, picked him up, and dropped him on another planet.
1: <laughs> yeah. With
0: an audience who had no idea what an Elvis is or what music is.
1: <laughs> yeah. At least and he's this- just
0: got to get up there and go, hey, look at this. Look at this.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. The, the Freddie Martin Orchestra are playing... Selections from the musical Oklahoma, so it goes yeah. from like uh, the Surrey with the Fringe on top right to Heartbreak Hotel. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's a weird. Well, that was in that the article you had actually sent me recently with uh, some quotes from Shecky Green, where he said not only did Elvis not really fit in on the bill with the two of them. But he didn't fit in with Freddie Martin. Like it was just a complete mishmash. It'd be like right now if there was a concert with like Celine Dion and Motley Crue.
0: And Eddie Murphy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just it does not make any sense as a bill. It is. I mean,
0: in one way, it's like the true meaning of a variety show. Yeah. I mean, it's got it all.
1: (laughs) <laughs> definitely it's
0: got everything definitely they had the um the june taylor dancers they had the dancing girls oh well, yeah i mean i guess if they're doing like oklahoma songs they gotta have the dancers on stage
1: yeah it just yeah, it's a weird bill um <laughs> i tell you what i love in this blue suede shoes though at 145 there's a long drum solo oh yes and it's amazing i mean i'm not a big drum solo person like when i'm watching prince and they go into a Sheila e drum solo it's like yeah okay i don't really care i mean it's good i'm not a drum solo guy but this one really stood out to me for some reason i don't know if it was because i could just picture this one guy on a tiny 1956 drum kit in a thousand room las vegas a thousand room, like, seats yeah and, and him almost just all of them just like
0: sitting and staring in
1: silence yeah and he <laughs> and is, a drum solo <laughs> <laughs> and he's drumming it i mean it's a great drum solo Uh, and I feel like when they come back from that drum solo there's not much left of the song after that but from Mm. then on there's a lot of guitar and bass stuff going on in the background that's just really amazing. And I don't know if they're like, OK, we're almost finished with this Vegas gig and they're just yeah. throwing it <laughs> all the in there. <laughs> it's the last
0: one. That's the last day.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I thought this is a, a fun version of uh, Blue Suede Shoes and I love that drum solo.
0: This is the funniest thing about this. He's only doing four songs, right? but he still walks off after the third song, you know, yeah. and does the fake, fake encore, come back <laughs> yeah. for an encore when, when it's only like 12 minutes. I, know. I thought that was hilarious. And the, you know, the announcer comes back on. He's like, oh, Elvis, everybody. <laughs> no, he's like, oh, come on. One, one, one more for the road, Elvis. Come back. And <laughs> yes. Elvis is like, oh, well, I was coming back anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so staged. And so, yeah, it is oh, kind of ridiculous. It
0: was really funny. <laughs> and then we go, the last track, the, the big encore. <laughs> right. It's track four. It's Money, Honey. Right. This, Which... is, this is one of my big sellers. It sold 43. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same Elvis. <laughs> See, I wonder if people in the audience were like, but he just said he sold a million of the other one. Why did this one only sell 43? Is that is that the sort of people who were in this audience? Like, I just doubt it.
1: If anything, skip. they're – no, you would hope they're actually, if anything, more sophisticated or at least they think they are. They um, think
0: they are, yeah.
1: So, Yeah. This one is interesting because during that long intro, there's definitely like some vibes or a xylophone or something comes into it. And then at one point, Elvis is laughing. Let's see. At around 17 seconds in, you can hear Elvis say, get it, Freddy, or hit it, Freddy, talking to Freddie Martin, who I guess is just playing around. Because the horns or whatever they're using there, vibraphone or whatever it is, it drops out by the time the vocal starts. Yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. I thought they might actually get some sort of full orchestral accompaniment to Money Honey, but no. Although I do have... At 210, which is like seconds before the song ends, horns come in to it again. So it's like there's a tiny bit of orchestra in the beginning of the song and a tiny bit at the end of the song, but the middle of it is just like the uh the album. Which of course he also closed his first album with the same song. Mm. Um I think there's a small dropout at one minute, twelve seconds. There's just like some weird little edit, I think.
0: Oh yeah. And there's like yeah. a beat
1: missing. It's that's it. I'm just kind of grasping for straws is what to say. <laughs> I like the song. And, and again, it's not a lot different, really, than the, the one we just covered on the first album.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to say about this one. Again, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. It's a great performance. It's crystal clear, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What else is there? I mean, yeah, I don't have much else about the song. While Elvis was in Las Vegas, though, it was interesting because he, he went and checked out some other acts, and I think that was probably very influential.
0: Ah. So that's it. it I, I it was is. surprised we talked this long about a 12 13 minute show Right There was a lot of stuff Going on
1: Yeah this was from May 6th Maybe. Yeah, that's probably right. May 6th. And then so um, on June 5th is when he's back on television. He's on the Milton Berle show. And that's when he first does the song Hound Dog, which for years, me and a whole lot of other people assume Elvis heard the song Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. In fact, the Baz Luhrmann movie kind of makes a deal out of it. But while Elvis is in Las Vegas, he goes and checks out a group called Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys. And they do a Mm -hmm. version of Hound Dog. And that is very much the version that Elvis, I won't say copied, but it's the version that was the biggest direct influence on the way it's oh, interesting did it. it's a great version and it's a lot like what elvis changed is similar to what elvis changed from some of the little richard songs and that's that he takes out the horns Oh, yeah. Uh, Because their version of Hound Dog is very similar to Elvis, but there's like a saxophone and a trumpet and Elvis likes to do these stripped down things.
0: Mm. There's also Mm. the fact that paying a bunch of horn players costs money.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but I think at this point RCA would have done it if if he wanted it. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing. Because, yeah, I think, again, I think the difference, we're dealing with the beginnings of rock and roll and so there's all these different little threads and I feel like, you know, the sort of piano-based Fats Domino stuff is one thing and The little Richard, you know, that's kind of similar to the Fats Domino stuff. What Elvis was doing was more stripped down than most of everything that I can think of mm. before it. Like Buddy Holly and the Crickets have a similar sound, but they came a little bit after Elvis. Anyway, it's just, it's fascinating, uh, especially to go back and listen on YouTube to that original, the version Elvis heard in Las Vegas of Hound Dog. And then, mm. like I said, he performs it the very next time he's on television on Milton Berle.
0: You mentioned before the the song that the orchestra plays. After Money, Honey.
1: Yeah, it, if it's anything. It
0: sort of sounds like In the Mood, but it's probably not. Oh, it could be. It's just it's just basic it. blues with some horns on it, so yeah. it could be anything. But it sort of sounds like In the Mood, which is what, Glenn Miller, I think?
1: Yeah, and that wouldn't have been out of... Yeah, it, the orchestra definitely would have known In the Mood, for sure.
0: That would have been out by then, I'm sure.
1: What I mean is it would have been part of their normal repertoire, probably. But yeah, so. it could be anything. Yeah. I think so, that's about all we got to say. Yeah, and it's amazing. We are only up to April of 1956. I know we're not doing this, like, by month, but 1956 is so jammed full of stuff. He's going to put out another album. He's going to put out an entire movie before the end of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. 1956 is just the most jam-packed year uh, of Elvis's career, probably.
0: And we're going to talk about that second album yes, next that- episode.
1: Excellent. Yes, I So get ready. Cool. Get, your,
0: get your listening ears on as Judge Judy likes to to say <laughs> well, that's it we've done so it. that's all nothing else to say I have nothing else to say then we'll see you next month with another episode yes. that's all that's it bye 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 everybody Elvis has left the building